If you came in needing a miracle, good. Because we serve a miracle working God. And everything that we do here is we just say this, like, hey, Holy Spirit, you get everything you want. Anything the Father wants, you just say to us, we are well drilled. We are ready to do it. We will find a way to do it. I just felt like we needed to sing a a song glorifying Jesus right there, the Son of Heaven. Um, Man, I'm I'm just so happy to be a part of this church and a part of what God is doing here. Um, If you don't know, we have a new building that's that's being built right there. We're we're getting close, everybody. It's going to be great. And uh, we think we're not sure. I'm not going to say when we're going to be in there. But a pastor in town was like, what are you guys doing for Christmas? Because Boxing Day is on Sunday. So we got to figure it out. And like Christmas Eve, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Things around here get clearer the closer that they get. But, but then somebody said, um, Chad said yesterday, he's like, well, if we're in the new building. And I'm like, oh, we could like stay up all night and get stuff dialed in. I'm like, I forgot about that because you all have been working here. And so, you know, I was thinking for somebody who's, who's joining a production team or a music team in the new place, you don't know the setup process. So we're going to have like a, what do you call that thing? The, an initiation. And we're going to be like, hey, take all the lights out and put them all back and then take them all back in and plug them all back in. But wouldn't it be easier to keep them there? It would be. We had to put our time in and mobile church, we get it. God has been good to us here, and we're grateful. Hey, uh, we're doing a, a series right now called, called Road Signs. There's four things that God wants you to do. Our churches are built around this. Um, our churches are built around these four things. The first thing is you got to know God. And uh, last week, we talked about knowing God as maybe the base camp of the base camp of knowing God is that you can't really understand God fully because your brain is really tiny. And you all came back to church after I said you had tiny brains. I just made that up just now. But the whole, the, the, the base camp of the base camp of knowing God and climbing the mountain to your destiny and making a difference in the world. The whole base camp is like this starting place of awe that a God of wonder would, a God of holiness and righteousness would want us, would love us, would redeem us. If you don't start there, I don't know how well you get to know God. I think you're trying to understand too much sometimes rather than just be with the almighty one, you know. And um, the second thing God wants you to do is find freedom. Now, this next step, which I'm preaching about today, is something that the enemy is going to battle against you doing. Because if you find freedom, then there's really nothing that he can do to stop you from discovering your purpose and making a difference in the world. And and he'll try to get you to skip the find freedom part, where you're going to find out from Moses and the Israelites today that God's like, no, 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 you actually got to go back. You actually got to go back and find freedom. Because as long as Pharaoh was alive, you'll never really be free. And we're talking today about finding freedom uh, from your past. Now, here's where we're starting today. Your past won't stay there until God settles it. So you can't walk into tomorrow and your destiny tomorrow. You'll never walk into it. We think that you are here to connect with God and connect with people. And until you help somebody else connect with God and people... You'll never be able to connect with God and people the way that he wants you to. But you won't be able to do that and discover your purpose. You know, that your job, you know, maybe you work at Starbucks. I wish I worked at Starbucks. I'd be like, oh, I made another mistake. I'd better drink this. You got 10 mistake cups right there. Don't fire me. Just I got all this energy, though. Your 9 to 5 probably won't fill your soul. It probably is not what, you know, like... 
I get it, but there's a nine to five, a spiritual nine to five where you get out of bed every day and you're like, I'm here to help people. I know exactly what God wants me to do. I'm making a difference every day. That's what we want you to get. But the devil's going to want you to not go through the finding freedom part because um, I'll explain it today, but your, your, your past won't stay there until God settles it. King David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Like you are with me there in the valley. And what you and I do with our past is we just get past it and we skirt around the top and we don't go down through the valley. But if you don't go down through the valley, you don't meet the man of sorrows who's acquainted with grief. And if your past hasn't been redeemed, today is going to be the day that I think that God is going to start this process where you can find freedom forever. So you don't have to go through life watching, you know, looking over your shoulder anymore. And um, one of the things your past does is it tries to dictate your normal. You know, when you were 13 and you went to your friend's house and you found out that your family wasn't normal. Well, what if there's a whole new destiny that God has for you that you think that this is where it ends? Like what you've got today is this is my day. This is all this is as good as it gets. And God is like, oh my goodness. No, there's a whole destiny I have planned for you. That's like way better than anything you can ask, think or imagine. But we got to settle the past today. Um, thanks, Sean. You got to go back. You got to settle the past. I had to go back when I was in grade four or grade five. I had to go back and settle my best friend, Toby. We were on the playground. It's a kind of a funny story. We're on a playground and, and a fight breaks out. I don't know if it was like a spat or what it was, if it was physical, but a fight breaks out between a girl who was older than I was on the playground and a boy who was younger than I. And that's a weird fight. Like if you're the boy, even if you win, What'd you do at school today? I beat up an older girl. Like, it was a weird fight, but I was always kind of uh, feeling responsible for things like that. So I, I stepped into the playground. I'm like, hey guys, stop fighting, you know? And it's the oldest, maybe the oldest sibling syndrome. Like, stop fighting everybody. Because old, older siblings are like the best, responsible. Like the Holy Spirit, man. We're just trying to help out. I tried to help out discipline my brother because I felt like my dad wasn't doing a good job dad didn't like that. I got disciplined, story of my life. But I was, I was on this playground. I was trying to break up a fight. Now here's the, here's the problem. My, one of my best friends, Toby, have been taking karate for self-defense. And Toby thinks that I'm picking on, I can't remember whose side he was on in the fight. He thought I was picking on like the boy or the girl in the fight. And I wasn't, I was just trying to break him up. And so he thinks that I'm picking on somebody. So this is what he does with his karate skills, right? He runs up behind me where I can't see him and leaves his feet and fly kicks me right in the back. Like I'm like a, you know, like a fish gasping for air on the ground. I turn around here's Toby. Now, I don't know if you know what like eight on the Enneagrams, what we're like. I'm not big now, so I don't lose a lot of fights because I can run fast. <laughs> but I'll tell you, as a kid who is, who is, I mean, the worst thing for my personality type is losing. By getting kicked in the back by your best friend when you can't see him coming. And so you remember Toby, right? Toby, yeah. So anyways, Toby was a goof. He was hilarious, but occasionally he would kick his best friends in the back. <laughs> so, so at the time, like, look, I was a kid. I love Jesus. I'm like, okay, okay. What would Jesus do? That wasn't a thing for bracelets yet, but we actually were I'm like, okay, okay. I should do something. So I decided to take this long walk around the school. I'm like, you got to cool off, man. You're going to do something that can't be undone. 
And so I took this long walk around the school and I was supposed to be communing with the Holy Spirit. But as I was, there was this other thing yelling at me like, hey, he just kicked you in the back. What did you were trying to break up? What's he doing? This me. And what would Jesus do kind of turned into what would Chuck Norris do by the time I came back? And so I came back and I gave him fair warning and we went to town. Okay. So we, we went for it long enough so that a snitch had time to run inside and get the principal named Mr. Masterson, who had a hot daughter in grade four. You know what? Toby ended up dating her. They moved to a different city and he ended up dating her. Is that how you get the girls? You kick your best friend in the back on the playground? Anyways. We went at it long enough that the next thing I know, Mr. Masterson is pulling us apart. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. Now, I don't know how to describe for all you uh, younger and liberated people what life was like back then. Because in school, we could still get this thing called the strap. And it wasn't considered human abuse. It was considered normal. And so, I got tense. I'm telling you, it's the difference between living in the New Testament and the Old Testament. It was Old Testament back then. It was Old Testament. You didn't go home and like tell your parents a side of the story. You were a child. You were told your side of the story. And we were broken up. And in that moment, we realized like, oh, now we've got a problem. Now we've got a problem. Now here, here's the deal. No boy at my age back then was afraid of the strap at school. We weren't afraid of that. We had a healthy fear of the Lord dad. <laughs> of dad that led to the fear of the Lord. The, in the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we learned a lot of wisdom. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal. Toby and I knew. My dad's name was Richard. His dad's name was Jake. We're like, oh, now we got a problem. And it's not with the school principal, Mr. Masterson, with the hot daughter. This is the thing. One day I walked home because they had told us in a school assembly, hey, for you to get the strap at school, we have to call home and get your parents' permission. So I walk into school that day. I walk home and I walk into the house and dad could tell that I was like feeling my oats or something. I was saunter in, you know, and he's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like. They got to get your permission at school to give me a strap. I don't know what I was expecting next. Dad's like, boy, if you get one there, you get two here. And I'm like, and the heavens open and the will of the Lord was revealed. And I was never disrespectful to a teacher as long as I lived. We weren't afraid of school. You could do your worst. We don't care what you're, what are you going to do to us? And in that moment, when Mr. Masterson broke us up, man, you want to talk about instant 180 degree repentance. And like, I'm weeping. He's weeping. I'm like, Toby, I'm so sorry. And he said, Mr. Masterson must've been laughing all the way back to the school, trying to do the tough guy thing. You know, I don't even think we ever got the strap there because our repentance was complete. And so we're just like, cause I mean, I was, I was deathly afraid of the, I had the fear of Richard and he had the fear of Jake and there was no way in the world. Like, see your past and my past is like a playground and the things that happened on the playground catch up with you. 
when you leave that stage of life, whatever your past looks like, good and bad things, but when you leave that past, your past now dictates your normal and dictates how you live and how you breathe and how you think and what you spend money on. And yeah. it dictates everything in your normal life right now. But the deeds of the past catch up. Even the things that were done to you, like getting fly kicked in the back. Hey, I'm talking about somebody's past. Something bad happened to you and you didn't deserve it. And it happened anyways. And there's this thing where your past eventually comes into your future. Now, now, um, there's the consequences. There's the deals that you made. Were you ever a kid who, you know, mom and dad were fighting a lot and you made a deal with something so that you could just be happy for a little bit. And then that something led into sin and it led into more sin. And, and you started looking for love in the wrong places. You started, yeah. or you started lying and you started trying to cover and you started trying to find your parents were controlling. You were trying to find some little bit of freedom, you know, and, um, and these things follow you into your life. Now, now this past becomes, um, and I have to put it in this language. It becomes like, um, like a, a like a fat, lazy cousin that you let sleep on the couch one night. I gotta use those words, there's no other way to do it because some of you, your past, you're just still defending it. You're just still, still liking it. You're still dressing up a pig. <laughs> Put lipstick on it and be like, no, 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 this is who I am now. And God is like, oh my goodness, I hope you don't stop there. Like Jesus loves you just the way you are. Yes, but he loves you way too much to let you stay there. So you, I mean, you could dress up, up a pig, but it's still a pig. And you've you got this fat, lazy cousin that you're like, hey, he's having trouble at home because he's an idiot. And so like, hey, come sleep on my couch. But the next day he's still on your couch. And then a month later and then years later. And what happens is, this is the imagery that I was feeling like I needed to preach this. What happens is, sooner or later, that past starts taking the remote control. Yeah. Look, I'm a guy. Don't touch the remote control. Like, I love my girls and I love my wife, but, but when I hand that remote control to my past, then I start watching what it wants to watch, right? I start watching, it's like, no, I want to watch this. And I'm like, I want to watch Judge Judy. I don't know why we watch Judge Judy. I just love it. You know, I want to watch this and I want to, your past. I want to, I want you to look at this online. I want you to think like this. I want you to feel threatened when there's no threat. Your, your cousin, then it starts going and monkeying with the thermostat. Like, I'm too hot. That's because you're wrapped up in a Snuggie and you're fat. And you're eating all my chips again on the couch watching not Judge Judy. Well, of course you're... Watch it, watch it though. You're, you're having an argument and it's too hot in the house. It's because your cousin's there dictating... Your pastors are dictating what temperature you have that argument at. And some of you are too hot and some of you are too cold. And I'm talking to the passive aggressive people right now. Anybody passive aggressives here? Not a single one of you going to put your hand up, but I know who you are. I could write a book about all. Yes, Karen. We got a Karen. Listen, listen. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's not the destiny God wants you to do. You're not dealing with issues the way that you need to. Your past, no matter, I mean, you could be a teenager and have a past that's still dictating how you feel and how, how warm and how cold you are. And you just, your triggers and all the things that you think are normal now that are not normal and not redeemed and not the way that God wants them. And you're not free. And God today is going to show you the path. Now, this is what happens too. your, your cousin 
It starts like, hey, you're going out. I'm going to come with you. Then he comes and sits on the chair beside you, which is way too small, in church. And your cousin, your pastor is a consumer. And then it sits there and he's like, I don't like the sermon that's about me. And I'm not that overweight. It's glandular. No, it's not glandular. You have an appetite for things that are sinful and wrong. That's why we become this thing that's not this like fit warrior for God anymore. You become lazy spiritually and lazy emotionally and you just do whatever. And then, then your, then your cousin will start like your wife says something to you and your cousin's like, if I were her, I wouldn't talk that way to you. If I was, if I was married to your wife, I'd treat her nice. Oh, you're not married to anything because you're on my couch right now. You have no success to speak of from the past that God didn't grant. It be, now, this is what happens now. The, the past in your life. See, a person comes to Christ. You might have come to Christ recently. You're kind of rejuvenated. You're, you're coming back to God. You've recommitted to God. And then there's this time period where you're starting to grow a bit. Now, I've watched this so many times. I'm a pastor's kid. You're starting to grow. You're doing well. There'll be just enough growth that you won't want. You'll, you'll let your cousin stay there. Your cousin will be like, hey, just let me just stay. Because you're still growing, you're, but sooner or later your cousin starts getting bigger and bigger, bigger because it's eating out of your fridge. You got kids, it's eating, it will eat the food that's meant for them and they'll get skinny and you'll get skinny spiritually and it will get bigger and bigger and bigger. You work hard, it will undo all of that. And you'll get skinny and you'll get malnourished and it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. This is such an interesting mental picture. Listen, give it time. We say, the devil is it's just going to keep whispering in your ear like, hey, you're making a difference. You're discovering your purpose. And God is whispering. The Holy Spirit, that still small voice is whispering right in the sermon today. You got to settle the past. You got to go back. You got to settle the past because you'll never really be free and you'll never really discover your purpose. You'll discover a purpose, but it'll have this cousin mixed into it. And I'll still whisper in your ear and you'll try to make a difference in the world and it will somehow take every victory and just take it away from you. And it becomes this thing that starts betraying you and it starts, you tell yourself like, well, hey, you know, this is when we have secrets, this is what we do. Like, well, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to tell somebody my secret because they wouldn't love me. Okay, that's called sin when you prejudge somebody, by the way. What do you mean? The body of Christ wouldn't love you? We're commanded to love and forgive you. We don't even get an option. Well, they wouldn't love me if they knew me. How dare you prejudge somebody? You think that you're the worst person on earth? That you can't be forgiven? Of course we're going to forgive you and love you. Have you met some of us? Like seriously, relax. Well, the things that were done to me, no, no, that's the devil locking you up with secrets. And, and if you stay locked up in secrets, you're never going to be free. You're never, if there's that thing that nobody knows about but you, you're never going to be free. That, it's just going to start injecting poison into your life and it will catch up with you and it will become stronger than you one day. And you tell yourself, I'm just going to be super nice to everybody if I don't have to. That's called making a deal. Some of you have made a deal with the Holy Spirit. But the thing about the Holy Spirit is that, I don't know how to describe this other than to say, He is holy whole. He doesn't, okay, you don't have to clean your room. 
that's not, that was your mom who let you do whatever you wanted. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is holy, whole, not fractured. We'll never make a deal for sin, ever. And we, we come in and we're like, oh, I'm just going to be super nice to him, you know, like, I'm not going to tell my wife those things. I'm just not going to say it. I'm just not going to tell anybody about it. And then sin has a place to grow. And you're like, I'm just going to be super good. I'll be on my best behavior, but it won't be for long. And then you'll start becoming those things that you're hiding. But God today is freedom ready for you. And I'm going to show you how to get there. Listen, your friends didn't sign up for your cousin to hang out with them. Because your cousin starts going out with you. Like you're going over to your friend, you're going over to Jen's house, I'm coming. Well, no, you're not. Well, you're, stop me. I'm three times your size. I'm getting in your tiny car and coming over to Jen's house so that I can eat food over there. It won't be satisfied with just eating food out of your fridge. It wants everybody's food. That's good preaching. That's super spiritual, right? <laughs> Here's two mistakes that Pastor Aaron and I made. We were talking about it this week. Two mistakes we made. The first one, <laughs> we thought that we could outrun it, but listen, here's number one, your past will catch up and drown you. Even if it's not that bad, it will catch up and it will drown you. It will become bigger than your house. It will <laughs> dictate everything in your life. It will destroy you in the end. Number two, it's impossible to settle your past inside your own home. Yeah. Here's the deal. You don't have a crowbar big enough. And remember, it's weakening you. But here's how I think about that now. I used to think I was being noble. Can I preach? Because I'm, I'm designed to protect and designed to bear heavy loads, just as a person. It's hard for me not to. It's hard for me to watch you go through something. I would rather go through it myself. So this is what I tried to do with my past, particularly with, with Pastor Aaron's past. I'm like, we're going to deal with it inside our home. We'll just keep it here. You know how I think about it now? That's, that's the same, the equivalent is me saying to Pastor Aaron when she was pregnant with one of our kids, hey, this is gonna hurt you a lot. I'm gonna have this baby for you. <laughs> and I'm smart, guys. <laughs> I found out that bearing, bearing that cross was not the cross God designed for me, it's a cross that I made that was definitely heavy. But, <laughs> you know, my solution was when it wasn't working, like, ain't no baby coming out of this body. Push! The solution is to push harder. And some of you, that's what we're trying to do. Look, it cannot, it will catch up with you and it will drown you, and you cannot deal with it inside your own home. It cannot be done. You know what Jesus says? He raises Lazarus from the dead. Have you, have you heard the story of Lazarus? Lazarus has been in the, in the tomb for four days. His sister's like, Lord, he stinks. Don't open the... That's what she said. Any practical people in the house? Yeah. Don't be practical, please. It's disgusting. She's like, no, no, Lord, don't open the tomb. He, he stinks. And then God, Jesus is like, I don't care how bad your past. I'm going to raise that. So what he does is he's like, Lazarus, come forth. He comes out, but he's dressed up like a, you know, the only, like a mummy wrapped up. Right. And then, and then Jesus says something extremely telling. This needs to be part of your theology, how you think about God moving forward. He says, he says, okay, I've done the resurrection. Then he says to his friends and spiritual family, ready? Loose him and let him go. Yeah. Meaning if he doesn't go there to get it, Lazarus would still be dressed up like a mummy. 
So Jesus can do the resurrection work of salvation, but for you to be loosed from your past and let go, you have to get involved in church. And I'm going to show you how we do it in your spiritual friends and family. It cannot be done. Jesus will not come and unwrap you. He gave that job to the family of God. Now, listen, the beauty about it is once you get unwrapped, you can help unwrap the next person. And that's how you connect with God and people. It's you find your destiny when you help somebody else get unwrapped. So, look, if you knew what to do and had the power to do it, you'd have done it. But you haven't. So to sit in the middle of that and be like, right, it's not working. I can't be done in my house. It's going to catch up and drown me. How do we deal with it, Pastor? Okay. Um, how we deal with it in Venue Church is this. Very, very simple. Knowing God, the first step, we do Sunday mornings. You learn about God every week. You worship. It's great. You see people. You get to know God. Okay. Number two, small groups. It doesn't happen Sunday mornings. Like a little bit. You'll never find freedom until you're in a small group. Until your spiritual growth is predicted by, whether, by this one thing, by this stat, by whether you have four or five friends, close friends, that you do life with, that you go to church with. That's called a small group, guys. Small group. We have a small group specifically designed to settle the past called Freedom Group that Pastor Aaron is leading in January. Somebody just needs to sign up for it today. Go to, this, go to the box office, get your name in it. Freedom group. I think every church person needs to go through freedom group. Um, my only regret is that we didn't have anything like that when I was young. So we wasted about 20 years. It's up to you though. Like, you know, God's not going to make you do anything. But um, it's a systematic going back. See, because there's this place that you need to have your past settled by the Lord because you've been saved and you've been redeemed, but your past hasn't yet. Don't you want... God to be glorified in your past and redeem your past, even the things that you've done? Don't you want God to own all of that too? Because until he has that, he doesn't have all of you. And that happens in the company of believers through a group like Freedom Group. And I would love for you to get involved in that. Now, sooner or later, your cousin becomes Pharaoh. And this is where our, our text is, is going today. And Pharaoh says this, Moses says, hey, let my people go. God says, let my people go that we may serve him. We need to leave for three days outside of Egypt, three-day journey and sacrifice to him. The first deal that Pharaoh, who's now your fat, lazy cousin, is going to try to make with you is he'll, he'll say what he said to, the, to Moses for the Israelites. He'll say, finally, after the plagues, he's getting softened up. His people are like, just let these people go. But Pharaoh is, your pastor stubborn. And it'll, it'll say, just let me, and this is what he says, stay here and sacrifice. Stay in Egypt and sacrifice. So he'll make a deal with you so that your cousin just stays on the couch. Like, not on the couch. You're like, well, you can't be on the couch anymore. And he's like, well, fine. Let me go to the living room. Like, okay, move me. But I don't go that far. Like, stay in. in. Then the next thing that the Pharaoh says, this is very telling. I think for most of this, this is our, our strongest leveraging point to go back and deal with your past. Pharaoh fight. Finally, he says, fine. You know, after more plagues go by, he says, fine, leave. If that's what you're going to do. Then he says, oh, wait, who's going with you? And Moses says, you ready? Well, the men and women and the little ones. And Pharaoh freaks out. This is what he says. God had better help you if you try to take your kids away from me. That's what he says. Wow. Your cousin's like, well, if you kick me off of this couch, I'm going to go move in with your kids. I'm going to move into the next generation that you're supposed to be impacting. Yeah. I'm going to move in there so that they have the same master as you used to have. Wow. It became unthinkable to us in our marriage. That was the leverage point for me anyways. 
was like that my kids would have the same fights that we had. I'm like, no. There has to be this place where you would sacrifice and sell yourself out and your happiness in the moment. And whatever peace you think you deserve, you gotta sell, you gotta go to war so that they don't have to fight the same battle you fought and go through the same, where I end up, they should start from. The only way to do that is for me to get free. And then the third thing he does is he see, he's like, fine, take everybody after more plagues go by. He's like, but leave your stuff here. And that's why your cousin dies. He's like, fine, I'll move in the yard, but throw all your stuff back there. Throw your TV back there. I want to watch, not judge Judy. And uh, you have to understand, God wants to redeem all of your past. You got to leave that land. You know, it's not just that though, but you got to like take everything with everybody with you and everything with you so that you're not bound up in slavery anymore. When Pharaoh finally let the people of go, Exodus 13, God did not lead them. Now your theology, what you think about God is going to have to shift a little from Sunday school you to, to watch this. God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though it was the shortest route to their destiny. So, so you're the shortest path to you discovering purpose. God can't take you on. He leads you on a roundabout road. Anybody had a roundabout road the last two years? You thought everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, oh, and oh, and here we go back. And we're circling the same. Yeah. Why? You haven't found freedom yet. You can't go into that. If you can't fight, fight and win the battle to find freedom, don't worry about your destiny. Because in the promised land, the walls are fortified. There are big giants and they got lots of guns. And I'm telling you, you've got to start by finding freedom. You've got to fight that fight first because you'll never find, I mean, the promised land. You want, that's a street fight. And so you've got to start building up that. So he leads them on this roundabout road. And then God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So if you try to find, discover your purpose and make a difference before you find freedom, this is what, this is what God said. They might go right back into slavery. Ooh, what do you mean? I've seen it happen with Christians all the time. They get out, they're not quite free, they try to make a difference, and boom, devil's got them right back into where they started. But now they've, they had salvation, and then they go back and serve the other gods. No, no, no. That's not what you're going to do. That's not what we're going to do as a church. Now, God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Now, they start this journey. Now, if you would look at a map, I was looking at a map this week, and they're like kind of skirting this, and they're going through the wilderness, and then they come down beside water, and then they hit the Red Sea, and then they start moving this way. So they're kind of doing this weird little loop where there's water in a lot of places on the one side. They start doing this weird little loop, and they're starting to move along the Red Sea and towards, you know, their destiny. But then God says, gave these instructions to Moses, which I didn't understand. Uh, when we were going through this, but I understand it now. He said, order the Israelites to turn back and camp. You're not going to know these places. But he's like, turn back and camp right in the corner. Turn back and camp where you got water and water. And, and then watch what he says. Watch what he says. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They're trapped in the wilderness. And Moses is like, I'm confused. Why would we go there? Um... Can I just give you, like, here's a bit of revelation that the Holy Spirit gave me. They had to go 26 kilometers back. You want to find freedom? You're going to have to go 26 kilometers back. That's not an easy trip with millions of people and a bunch of animals and whiny kids. 26 kilometers back. You're, like, doing this long road, and then you're, like, and then God's, like, hey, yeah, stop. Don't go forward. You've got to go back. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. He calls a timeout because you got to deal with your past. 
And it's hard once you're moving towards growth and freedom. It, it, you think you're moving towards freedom, but God's like, you got to go back and settle it. So here's, here's the thing. Ready? This is what did not disagree. It disagreed with my theology. It made it very hard for me to stomach when this happened to me. So I'm just going to save you the pain of going through that. God lures the enemy into a place that risks your destruction to settle his destruction forever. But you're the bait. Because the devil hates you so much, he's going to try to destroy you and pull you right back into your past. And you're like, well, I might not make it out of there. No, it would take a miracle. Yeah, it would take a miracle. It would take a Red Sea experience for God to do it. That's what people who go through Freedom Group find. They find the Red Sea experience. You think you're up against it, but God's like, no. Yeah, it would take a miracle. I got it. I got it. But as long as Pharaoh's still alive, you're not free. You might have left that old country of sin, but as long as he's unsettled, God's got to be master of it all. And so, once again, he says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Well, that's kind of mean. And he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. I am going to display my glory through your past mistakes and through your past pain. I'm going to own it now. I'm going to redeem it. Nobody could ever redeem it. Stop telling God what he's allowed to do. When you have un unfathomable power, you can do whatever you want. He's like, I'm going to redeem everything. All of it. I'm going to do it all in one fell swoop. I'm going to deal with it all. But you got to do something. And it says, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. You know when we baptize people here? You know the picture we take? Yeah. Yeah. Healed and forgiven, look where my chains are now. Death has no hold on me. Yeah, like devil, you lost. Okay, but you got to find freedom next. We got to go and find freedom. We got to get you free. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. There's a bit of panic in Freedom Group, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, oh my goodness, we're going to go here. Yep, we're going to get into your daddy issues so you can stop hating Pastor and his messages. It's just daddy issues. I tell some people, I'm like, look, if you had a good dad, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now because you wouldn't be like, what do you want next? My kids don't say that to me. We have a good relationship. They're like, well, what do you want next, dad? going to change your oil for free. Oh, what's it going to cost me? And it's for free. I just said, just want to bless you. Yeah, it's a place. Let's go back and let's get it settled. Well, watch this. Watch this. Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Watch what he says though. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Come on up worship. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, Hey, you got five out of six things, right? Ready for this? Um, go back one verse. Uh, two verses. Yeah. Don't be afraid. That's good. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you. Okay, the Lord's going to rescue you. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. God's going to fight for you. All of this stuff. Okay, but then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Why did you tell them to stand still? My theology used to say like, hey, just stand. God will deal with your past. And God's like... Uh, no, you open the door to your cousin. You got to walk down there with a crowbar now and take some friends with you. You got to do something. You let it, you gave it permission. You got to go to the lawyer, the Holy Spirit and be like, I revoke that thing and it's got to go. I'm not going to be angry like my grandfather, my father. I'm not going to have a lust problem. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be depressed. 
Come on. I'm not going to struggle with the same thing my parents struggled because we're going to go back and be free. And there is freedom from all sorts of mental and physical and if it's a spiritual issue and God heals it, what then? You could be free. By his stripes we are healed. God is not the God of halfway deliverances. He wants you to be free. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. As the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, of all the Egyptians. This is God's promise to somebody who had chased the Israelites into the sea. Not a single one survived. The very waters of your past that the enemy wants to drown you with become what drowned him. Because in spite of everything that he tried to do to you when you were small, in spite of everything that you did, God will prove greater and God can save from anything. And remember, remember, there's a cross, but there's a resurrection. Just make sure that it's God's cross. It's time for somebody to go back 26 kilometers and find freedom.